0: Hi, friends. I'm Andy Green, and today we're talking about gender confirmation surgery because this is the Naked Man Podcast. I first encountered Logan Ashley Kaisner online last September. I was programming films for what was then a theoretical movies with friends talk show, and one of my main goals was to use the show and platform to spotlight more unique, unheralded horror films with sociopolitical relevance. My research landed me on Logan's medium.com writer's page, where I discovered the trans horror historian, a 21-year-old trans man that even his friends say talks too much about being trans. Logan has written multiple articles chronicling trans horror films, culminating, I'm having trouble today, culminating in a video odyssey of an essay on YouTube, all of which are linked (laughs) linked in the description for this episode and well worth your time. When discovering Logan's work, I immediately wanted to meet him, to talk to him, to befriend him, to watch horror movies with him. So I reached out to Logan and he was immediately gracious, welcoming, and enthusiastic, I dare say... We were both tickled by mutual respect, that tingly excitement between new friends. Logan and I watched his personal favorite horror film, Bit, now streaming on Tubi TV, over some sexy coffee and got to know each other on Zoom. We're gonna be on Zoom again today. We've stayed in contact ever since and have been planning further collaborations. Welcome to our next collab. Today, we're going to talk about Logan's transition, which culminated with his top surgery in November. Thankfully, everything went beautifully and has continued to go that way, as far as I know, but I'm going to ask him about it. But I wanted to talk to Logan about the surgery, about his journey, his transition, about all of it. I'm going into this embracing my ignorance and leading with curiosity. I'm so honored that Logan would talk to me. Often, I think a lot of cis white people with good hearts and intentions remain terrified to engage because we're terrified to make a mistake, to insult or to say something wrong. I think that because I've lived in that, but it's not helpful. My goal for this conversation is for it to be helpful for both of us. So enough of me, Lash, that's what I call Logan Ashley. Uh, And he goes by Logan, Ashley, Ash, any of the things. Welcome to the show. Thank you. That was awesome. (laughs) (laughs) I'm glad you liked it. (laughs) How are you feeling in this moment? Uh, I'll answer that as well, Um, but I like to start there. Uh, I am tired and nervous, but excited at the same time. Tired, nervous, and excited sounds like the three things that I'm pretty much always. Yeah, um, I I'm those things too. Uh, I actually sort of feel more, less nervous than normal. I think maybe I'm gaining more confidence in myself. Who who would? Why would I have that? <laughs> in terms of the nervousness, is it just sort of like wanting to? Is it like wanting to be a good guest? Is it that or is it nervous about what we're talking about?
1: Cuz I like that's my nervous is like, "Oh, I hope I don't fuck up." Oh no, you're going to be fine. No, it's mostly just the the podcast thing. I'm like, "Oh god, I hope I I am good at writing. I am not good at talking." <laughs> I disagree. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) Well, we'll
0: see. We'll see Uh, if that's uh, my, my job, I think is to herd you right to like, or, or to be like, sort of like, Ooh, that's interesting. Let's go there. And so let's start, let's check up on the now, which is, you know, your months removed from the top surgery. How did it go? How is it going? And how does it
1: feel? Uh, It's going really well. It was November 30th. So it's been a about three months and everything's been going pretty smooth. Drains were out after two or three weeks and yeah, can't really complain.
0: And uh, I think I might be trying to like filter in terminology. You
1: said the drains. Yes. Were uh, what does that mean? So I'm, I'm about to do a visual thing. Sorry for the listeners, but um, they basically are two little tubes that they put in middle of the rib cage that serve as a, drain for the the blood and the fluids and the fun stuff that's going to come out um for the two weeks after um some surgeons don't do them some surgeons do different drains mine had to be (laughs) cleaned twice a day which was gross and awful and disgusting and they were probably the worst part of the recovery process everything beyond the drains was a breeze gotcha yeah well
0: thank yeah thank you for uh (laughs) explaining that And, and uh it does sound hard to do that. cleaning things, having i uh, have I've, I've helped a friend who had had a um, lipo surgery and he had sort of like basically had to get rid of fluids. And I only did it once. And I, it was, it was hard for me to help. Uh, I'll just say that. And I wanted to ask this question. I may cut it. I don't know, but I, cause I was looking and I was like, what is the exact terminology for what, Uh, for what your surgery is. Is is it sex reassignment surgery, gender reassignment surgery, gender confirmation surgery? Is there a a preference or
1: one that you... I think gender confirmation surgery is the closest fit. And also my surgery in particular was like super specific. So I know there's, if you Google top surgery, there's like keyhole and areola and A, B, C, and D. I had none of those. Mine was just um, double mastectomy sparing nipple grafts. I think that's what the paperwork says. (laughs) Basically, it was really just like, boop, boop, cut out, you're done, drains. Like, it was because right. um, most trans people, uh, trans men, have to get the nipples um, resized. And I didn't. So that was a huge cost-saving and also just pain-saving thing that oh, I had yeah. to avoid that most people don't. I could, yeah. Uh, and, and, one, and
0: actually, you, you mentioned the cost. And I feel like, well, and, and you said it also that it was sort of quick. Like, how
1: short mm-hmm. was this? Uh, geez. I got, it was probably about a two hour procedure. Like I was there like 11 in the morning. And I had left by like five at night. Oh my God. That's so <laughs> in and out. Crazy. Yeah.
0: That's so crazy to me. Cause it's obviously this was the, would you say the biggest moment in your life?
1: Probably so far. Yeah. One of them.
0: <laughs> yeah. And it was a, a six hour yeah. in and out thing. That seems so, so, I mean, surreal. It
1: probably, is it still surreal? Yeah. My first time ever having surgery, my first time, like in that kind of center my parents weren't there so it was just like me and I'm like I know that I'm 21 but like I need my mom oh I I yeah I understand and and, like was that because of the COVID restrictions is that why yeah yeah it was still COVID so we all had to have masks on and then just like the being by myself as I'm wheeled in the bed into the um where they're gonna knock me out I'm like I'm I'm terrified of getting knocked out oh yeah and that was your first time getting knocked out yeah oh uh, what number did you get to? They tricked me because I didn't think they were doing the thing where they're like t- asking you questions before you fall asleep. They like mentioned my tattoos. I'm like, oh, yeah, there's this one. There's this one. And I woke up two hours later. Like that's very groggy. And I'm like, that's they smart. Got me. They got you. Yeah. <laughs> I like that.
0: And, and, well, and so there was obviously a lot of uh, like a mental calculus going into this. And I, you mentioned the money first and, and that yeah. yours was cheaper. But I think that's a I mean, I think our whole lives are run by money, unfortunately. Yeah. Uh, and I just wanted to sort of talk about that because it's not as simple as just I mean, there's so many variables happening. And I, so I guess I just want to know like how how the dominoes fell or
1: like what yeah. the the yeah, the mental calculus was for you. I got very, very lucky in that my insurance had an option to cover it and that they did cover it. Um, a lot of places, even here, either like you have to, they have to take the insurance, they have, it has to be in your network. A lot of places, trans are not covered by insurance. So that was something that I had been anticipating and saving for. So when it turned out that insurance would cover a majority of it, I basically, it didn't hurt the bank that bad. <laughs> That's amazing. Uh, yeah. Mm-hmm. The most that my insurance required was a letter from a therapist. And lucky me, I had already been going to a therapist four years ago, and he was still in contact with us. So I got to just email him and be like, hey, do you mind writing this for like five seconds so that my insurance can know that I'm not mentally unstable? And he's like, you are, but yes, I will write this.
0: (laughs) (laughs) We're all a little bit mentally unstable, Uh, including your therapist, I'm sure. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Um, Well, actually, uh, what is your insurance? I'm just like, I think, I feel like they deserve a shout out just (laughs) because insurance normally are the worst. So like, this is like, they're doing, I mean, what they should be doing. Uh, so we're not, (laughs) I'm not necessarily going to throw a party for them, but they're doing their jobs. And that's honestly the minimum for an insurance company. So what, uh, what insurance, uh, Sierra health and life. I think it's Nevada only, but I might be wrong about that. Yeah. I've never heard of it, but still good on Sierra health and life. Yeah. And, but yeah, that there are so many people out there that can't get this and that it's, you know, it's seen as elective or like outside of, um, and, and then that like that money would be a deterrent to being who you are is sort of, uh, it's, it's just fucked up, but it's also in a way, the exact same thing that capitalism does to every part of our lives. (laughs) So, uh, and that doesn't mean to minimize it. I'm just realizing, <laughs> no, yeah. I'm just realizing like, oh fuck, that's what it does for everything. Doesn't yeah. it? Everything um, is too much money. Yeah. Yeah. If I want to be who I am, I, I need to make money, but then that sort of stops you. Yeah. Um, cause that's the next sentence. Uh, well, I mean, you mentioned being terrified, being wheeled in, but I'm imagining there was fear for the surgery itself, but beyond just the moment, or were you sort of,
1: or am I wrong in that? I don't know. No. Yeah, definitely. It's, <laughs> I have this constant chronic fear of dedicating to things. Well, like even beyond surgery, just like in hobbies and in liking things, I'll like kind of dip my toe in for a bit, but always like pull back out. Cause I'm like, I don't know if I want to like dedicate to this for my whole life. And so like, this is a major surgery that can technically be undone, but I mean, it's expensive and it would not look great. And so, you know, I had to have, like, a lot of sit-down time with myself and think, like, okay, it's, like, do you want to do this now or do you want to wait or, do you, like, do you even want this? And a lot of sorting out my own paranoias from legitimate fears and concerns I should have.
0: What were some of the – I mean, yeah, actually, I'm interested in what were the ones that you think were, like, paranoid and then what were the legitimate
1: fears there, if you don't mind sharing. Uh, I think legitimate fears is just, like – Not, not looking right feels like the wrong terminology. But like, I was I was very picky about surgeons at first. I was looking outside of my state just because I'm like, oh, I'll make like a weekend out of it. And um, (laughs) the first surgeon I found had gotten his medical license temporarily revoked in like 2003 for medical malpractice. Oh no! Okay. He has great results, but I'm not dying for this. So I'll go back to Nevada. So I look here and literally this doctor's office is like 10 minutes from my house. I'm like, there's no way this is ever going to happen again. And I had been in my brain. I wanted this for like a while, but I'm always like, okay, I can push this off and push this off. And it wasn't until like February, last February, where I started writing something that involved a character's top surgery. And that kind of like set the final gear in my head where I'm like, oh, this, this, there's no better time than like now. And then fucking like 10 months later, boom. Wow. And is that the
0: transition script that you, Yes, its huh. I'm going to just tease you in that saying in a tease in that I've, I've read it. I read mm-hmm. it this morning in advance. We can talk about that okay. off of this, <laughs> but like, I, I felt like. I needed to read it before this and, and I, am really glad I did. And also great work. Uh, <laughs> I'm excited about it. Well, okay. So you, you mentioned like considering, you know, if it, if it goes poorly, but also if it didn't look right or feel right. Yeah. And then like, when did you first start? Well, cause like obviously the top surgery is sort of the, is it, is it the last sort of of the, the thing, like the stages or surgeries that are like you, you did or for and, me and how yeah long, i'm i'm a one and done right, okay it's so right so what was the um how long from like wanting to do that or like the first ideas of like ooh i want to do this to the actual day cuz i'm just like trying to i'm just curious about like that journey for you like was it
1: 20 years like no, i mean that's no. that's a baby so, um. <laughs> one year old yeah. i was i was very forward thinking yeah exactly um, no probably around 18 or 19 was when I started like toying with my idea of my ideal timeline where I'm like, okay, at 21, this is going to be done. And at 25, this is going to be done. And my parents had their own input. They're like, we'd prefer it if you wait until this age at this stage and a, B and C. And so we all had our ideals and then it just kind of ended up, Oh, turns out this time is great. And we all have concerns, but the bar is already down. The, car, the cart's moving. We're not getting out until the ride's over. So here we go. I love that.
0: And, and, and it seems like it just sort of happened at the right time. Yeah. I guess, when did you have the first inkling? <laughs> you're laughing at me. Good. No, good. Yeah, you're good. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. No, I, I'm just sort of like, when did you have the first, like, I mean, you said 18, 19 was the first time you were like thinking like seriously about the timeline of this surgery. But before that, uh, when were you thinking of sort of your gender and, uh, and, and your identity and how that has shifted?
1: Consciously, probably around 15 or 16. With the power of hindsight, I can look back and realize, oh, no, you, there was a lot more going on than you just being emo in middle school. Like there was some, (laughs) there were some untapped things that you didn't have a vocabulary for. But by 15 or 16, I'm like, okay, like woman's not right. Let's try non binary. And so I worked with that for two years and I'm like, nope, that's still quite not quite right. And then I don't even know what about. Like one, one random night in 2017, I'm on Tumblr and I look, I, I go to like this blog for trans men and there was a post there that's like, if you need to ask, the answer is probably yes. And I'm like, all right, <laughs> let's, <laughs> let's look into this, I guess.
0: That, that seems really nice. And that like, there was a, a community for that, yeah. of course. Did you have a, a really good community online, in person, both? Like, it seems like your family has been really
1: supportive, which is great. Yes, my my family has been very fun to be learning alongside with me. Um, I was closeted for the first year, so they they I came out to them when I went to college. And there was about a six-month lo- six learning curve for them, and then they're right along with me, making jokes with me. And then <laughs> my friend groups changed a bit over the years, but for the most part, everybody is like it's not even something we think about much anymore. Right. Th- that response makes me feel like
0: I'm making it a thing just by asking. Uh, and <laughs> no, I'm like, not oh, at no. <laughs> all. But no, but the, it is sort of the, but I feel like that, uh, it's like the not talking about it makes it a thing for people that didn't have that in their yeah. lexicon growing up or or didn't, or just wasn't uh, exposed to that or knowledgeable about it. So it's sort of like, you know, and this is a terrible metaphor, so forgive me, but like uh-huh. I was thinking about this uh, right before where this sort of conversation sometimes kind of reminds me of whenever I help my parents with technology yes. and, 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 they, they, they struggle or there's, like, there's honestly some shame there and embarrassment about, oh, it, it just doesn't come naturally. Uh, and, and, you know, me explaining it or just it does come naturally. Um, but then I also know the other thing of like, there's technology now where it's over my head and yeah. I'm already behind or whatever behind, whatever that is. And so it feels like not to like, it's obviously a metaphor, not one and one, but it feels similar to that. And I think that's where defense comes in too, like defensiveness, because it's like, oh, I don't know how to say this, but it's not even like I think, I, I mean, there are obviously assholes and hate involved. But I think a lot of it is mostly just like, Oh, I don't know how to uh, talk about it. And it's sort of embarrassing to be caught at not knowing how to log into your email. Right. Yeah. And and that's, and that's sort of what it is. Uh, So I, I guess I'm inhabiting that ethos right now, even though I don't think I'm I think I'm I think I've logged in successfully. Yeah,
1: you you you've gotten into the email.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I've gotten into the email. I don't know which ones are unread or read yet. You know, how do I mark this one? How do I respond to an email? <laughs> I feel like there was there's like a lot in that, you know, couple years of like you're sort of experimenting, right? Or sort of yeah. like the idea of it doesn't feel quite right. I wanted to ask you what if you could What does that mean to you? Like, like what is the, the not quite
1: right feeling? That meaning's changed a lot for me, I think over the years, because like, I mean, fucking high school, nobody feels right. I think that's a universal thing, regardless of gender identity, but it got to a point where in my head where I'm like, okay, this, this clearly is like something more serious than just being like a little weird. And so high school, you know, sucked because you have no autonomy and you're a kid And then college hit. And that was a different kind of not fitting in because all of the face stuff changes, all of the voice stuff changes. I am physically becoming a different person at the same time that I'm emotionally and socially becoming a different person. It's a very weird first two years and then COVID happens. And so I've spent the past two years right back into like a social dead zone. And that's been another weird moment where I'm like, okay, there's still a bit of social disconnect so I need to figure that out still, but it's less intense than it was before. Because before it was just like, I feel completely alien to everybody and also to myself. And now I'm a little more like, I've, I've got a recliner in myself. I can relax a little bit. I like that. Um, did, the, I mean, God, uh, the,
0: COVID, the COVID is what I was yeah. thinking of. And I was just like, God, it's every, it's, it, it is obviously <laughs> it's permeated. everything. Did it actually... I I thought of like, did it make it sort of the transition easier for you in some ways? Because of like, this might be, I mean, this meaning me talking to you through the computer might be easier, more comfortable than
1: sort of that in-person feeling that maybe uh, you're feeling. Yeah. I mean, I I would never have grown my hair out if I had to be in public for all the awkward phases of it. (laughs) Hey, see, yeah, there we go. And the hair looks great. Thank you. Yeah.
0: It's nice that there are wrinkles of it that like could actually be good. Right. Yeah. yeah. I mean, and and that's the thing. It's not black and white. None of this is. Let me see. So I'm in the email now. Where am mm-hmm. I in the email? No. <laughs> <laughs> is there, that's is the there cursing. a folder in the email that you want me to open or that you, uh, that you came in with being like, okay, I hope Andy asked me this, or I hope like, this is something that I really want to, to share, not to put you on the spot, but I just was, that was like,
1: I mean, I guess I did put you on. So here you go. Enjoy. <laughs> uh, ooh, I don't know. Um, Probably just like, I I do really actually like your metaphor about parents and technology. Yeah. Because like almost every single conversation I have with my parents for like that first six months was just like turning the computer on <laughs> because my parent, my parents are super sweet. They're very accepting, but this was like a blind spot for them. And I think they were also a little bit embarrassed that like. I a, didn't feel comfortable coming out to them until I was living somewhere else at college and mm. that they were like, okay, like we got to learn a whole new thing. And you know, my sister's, <laughs> my sister was my little shooter back at home. Like every time they'd fuck up, she'd be like, uh, uh, like stop that. And they're like, it's like, you're here, but you're not. And then <laughs> after they ask questions and they, they were wrong a lot of the time. And I, and now whenever like they, they have a question, that they just immediately text me. They're like, okay, what's this? And I have to like A, B and C and they're like, cool. Thanks mate file that away somewhere in their brain. <laughs> and now you're sort of doing that for me, I guess. Um, and for
0: hopefully my mom and, <laughs> and my, and, and other people out. Cause I think it is, there is curiosity for sure. And that's like the best way to be about it. And I, I really appreciate how I think just transparent you are about it. And it really means a lot to me. Uh, and, and I know it's not like supposed to be about my comfortability, you know, but yeah you are indeed making me feel comfortable. So that's a gift. And actually I was wondering if that sort of connects to like, you, you have it in your profile and you mentioned it to me in like the email. And I, and I also said it in the intro that you're, you're sort of a known in your circle as the, the trans guy who talks too much about being trans. And I was just wondering if you see that as like your mission or like, clearly it's something you're passionate
1: about. So I wondered, like wondered, yeah. What is that to you? That, that quote is so funny. That, that actually wasn't said to me by a friend that was hate mail sent to me anonymously oh no and i have i've gotten a few um, negative comments on my writing. That's the only hate mail I've ever gotten directly to me is like seven paragraphs. <laughs> and that was one of the things they said. And I just loved it so much. And I'm like, yeah, I do. What about it? <laughs> but, um... <laughs> <laughs> I love that you own that. And yeah, um, I'm sorry you I said that <laughs> he was a friend at the top. <laughs> but it sounds like you turned it into something yeah. useful. Yeah, yeah. I'm like, yeah, that that is my brand, I guess. I, I was thinking about this earlier because even the stuff about transness that is like, quote unquote, public knowledge like culturally in the lexicon most people still don't really know about it and there's like i have learned so much more from like subreddits than i have from like medical doctors because medical doctors are like we think this we it might be this you're probably at risk for all of these things there's not enough studies to know so good luck and you know you hop on reddit and there's millions of people like here's my experience here's a b and c who knows the long-term effects but we're all in this together (laughs) so i i feel like talking about it is like warts and all is like important because you have like you have the stereotype of the trans person being too sensitive like that did you just assume my gender pronouns stereotype that i have (laughs) never in my life seen a trans person act like (laughs) there's like the idea that oh you just Pop a pill, you take a shot, and poof, you're unrecognizable as the other gender. And that's also very not true. It is a weird and long and very awkward process. Like, it's taken me almost four years now to get to a place where I'm like, oh, I'm like finally settling in all of my skin.
0: Yeah. Well, and it's just like, and it's like what you said about high school where no one feels quite right. But yeah. yours is, is that much more of a not right feeling. And, and cause I'm like sitting here being like, God, it took me 25 years to sort of figure out who I was kind of, <laughs> and I am a straight white dude, basically. So it's just like, how hard is it to, to do this really fucking hard, which is why I, like, I admire you so much too. Like, like that you're 21, but like, that's why I mentioned like, oh, has it been 20 years? Cause in my, I forget <laughs> that you're 21 when talking to you, uh, I'm like, oh man, I'm old. Um, but, which is funny because I look 12. <laughs> <laughs> eh, no, don't say that. 15. I look 46. So <laughs> no. <laughs> so obviously you like talking about, uh, trans and in particular trans horror and in pop culture and stuff like that. And I think that's a really good in to connection with people and to understanding. And that's literally how we connected, I think. Cause I was like, yeah. to me, how I love to learn more than more than even a subreddit is a movie if it, yes. if I can, uh, and then talk about it with people after, right. And people that know more than me, which is everyone. So I was wondering like, I mean, cause it, d- it does sort of feel like you are the, the trans horror person, or at least that's your mission to be that, which I love that for you. And we are putting the flag in the sand or on yes. the moon, whatever <laughs> it is, it has been planted. And I was just, uh, wondering, cause I, and I, I mentioned this in the outline. Okay. So, My parents and I have a lot of friends that still don't get the horror thing. And I feel like that maybe even connects to the trans thing in general. Like there's something there about like, we judge horror for what reason? Because I mean, the the surface level of like, oh, it's bloody or a lot of it is sexist. A lot of it can be really trashy, whatever. Um, But I was just wondering, like, how did horror and, and correct me if I'm wrong, but I'm assuming that horror had a big part in maybe this journey?
1: Uh, and and uh, how yeah, how did it play a role in discovering who you are? Uh, well, first, my my mom, I swear to God, has seen every horror movie ever made and that ever will be made. She is she has an insane lexicon that's even if she doesn't remember all of them. Like she has seen so many. And so just in my house growing up, there was always a horror movie on. And even when she like, okay, here's the TV version of child's play and not the actual like watchable version. Like I was watching this stuff growing up. And so it was just kind of like always a presence in my house. And then as I'm figuring myself out, I come across movies where I'm like, Oh, that's the thing I can relate to. Oh, here's this. And then COVID happened. And I'm swept by the tidal wave of trans horror. And it just, and two years later, this is my thing. <laughs> yeah. Uh,
0: and you mentioned to me how it's like, horror can be a very useful sort of metaphor or, or lens to put on for the trans horror. And, and, and you talked about the werewolf transformation in particular being sort of what it feels like uh, mentally and
1: physically. Yeah, it, it's probably the genre where you can take internal things and literalize them the best. Like, oh, you feel like a monster. Now you're a zombie. Now you're a werewolf. Now you're a poltergeist. Like you are literally physically the embodiment of your fears. And that's like the fun of horror to me is like a the absurdity of it, like Evil Dead 2 and Reanimate are some of my favorite movies. And those are horror movies that succeed because they understand that the horror is kind of funny. Yeah. And also just like the way that it can tackle serious topics without feeling condescending all the time. Exceptions to that rule, of course, but my favorite right. horror movies are like, we're not shoving this in your face. It's just a very clear theme or through line that you can follow if you're looking for it. Right, and, but it could, it could stand on its own
0: as yeah. just, this is just Reagan vomiting or whatever it is, but there's obviously much more shit going on in the background if you, if you are into it uh, or, or want to um, see that. Well, I mean, since we were on it, uh, on horror or maybe just a uh, general film, if there's one film with a trans lens that particular, particularly speaks to you and your experience or just the trans experience in general, uh, what would that be? Uh, and, and yeah, like what would be the mandatory
1: viewing? Yes, I split movie? this I split this into two answers. I split Ooh. this into movies that are actually like trans overtones and then movies that I think you should view with a trans lens just for fun. Ooh, I <laughs> so. like that. Um, the trans one, I think I, I picked sleepaway camp for this one just okay. because it is, it's so fascinating. Like I was explaining my video essay to a classmate the other day. And I mentioned that it was three hours and he's like, you spent three hours just talking about sleepaway camp. And I'm like, no, but I could have, <laughs> because it <laughs> well, is here such, you go. <laughs> it's such a fascinating movie. I think, I think mostly because we don't know the intention behind it because Robert Holtzik has been a very reclusive about this and about the movie in general and he had like there's no screenplay online where you can see like oh this was written in here's the direction here's the intention none of that he hasn't talked about it and so you're just kind of left to like okay like what is he trying to say and i i love the split that i see with this movie because people either really really love it or they are, like, appalled by it. And they're, like, like monocles pop, like, skirts fly. They're, like, I can't believe this is a thing. And <laughs> monocles and
0: skirts. <laughs> monocles and skirts are going. I'm wearing both of those, and they are just off. They're um, off. <laughs> well, I think, is. I mean, it has a, well, and maybe... I don't know. I don't want to necessarily spoil it because, like, I like if if some it's uh, if spoiler warning for Boy Camp. If somehow people haven't don't know the ending to Sleep Boy Camp, like definitely go in without knowing that ending. Yes. Wow. Um, uh, so I don't want to ruin it, but it has a uh, yeah, it has a, 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 a quite the ending in that it. I think to me, I it read or it felt problematic, or at least maybe that's the uh, what I assume. I, I think I just assumed that it it had like a negative point of view, just because most things do right. Or, or like yeah. most people's heart isn't in the right place. Yeah. Um, or, or it's just ignorance or whatever, you know, and, and that's, I guess, a little bit better in some ways. I mean, I said that I'm ignorant off the top of this, So that, yeah, it, it, but like, um, you know what I mean? So I think it's interesting that that's still, that it obviously doesn't
1: for you. It's like, it is the one to, to talk about. Yeah. Trans horror tends to skew negative. So if you, if you assume a movie to be negative, like that's probably a safe bet. Right. But, um, this is also the movie where like, it's not the most famous trans transform movie. It is, I want to say it's the earliest horror movie where like, again, sleepaway camp spoilers. It is the earliest trans horror movie with a genital reveal. And so that's really like, line in the sand sorry that was a visual thing um, that's like the line because up until that point it was always the wig mm, in horror yes. films it was always the wig coming off and you're like oh fuck that's Michael Caine like that's not a woman and then right. after Sleepaway Camp you got a lot more free with a nipple popping out or a penis or a lack thereof like Sleepaway Camp was really the break in the glass for that with and Again, it's not the most famous one, but it is the only one where I have seen every single trans person that I know has an idea in their head of what a reimagining would look like, myself included. And it... Because Robert Hiltzik is trying to get a reboot remake quill off the ground for the past 10 years. Um, it, it, It seems like one of those projects that's kind of like rotten development hell. But... I just, I want to see this reimagined because it feels like it's, I I love the movie very much. It's great. But I also feel like this, out of all the Transformer movies, is like so primed for like somebody to take this material and like Jordan peel it, for lack of a better term, like, okay, let's (laughs) let's modernize this. Let's reckon with the the questionable at best politics on display here.
0: Right. And I'm realizing that this is a nice little, like I can cut this and just post it on movies with friends. But like, I also, let's just do that in October. All yes. right. You, uh, although we're going to do Ravenous <laughs> too. Oh, we're yes. going <laughs> to watch, watch every movie. But I, I think w- it's interesting that the line in the sand that you said, like, but like it broke the glass, whether the intention was, whatever the intention was, it did change how far people could go in movies for better or for worse, I suppose. But it, it like, I think that's still more useful for audiences to see more than just the wig or, or it's more, yeah. uh, you know, and, and so I, I think that is, the effect that has had is, uh, I guess, generally a, a positive one from that lens in some way. Like it just, it opened, people talk about it and that talking about it is the answer, right? Yes. That's the whole point. It um, is certainly
1: an experience of a movie.
0: Yes. Exactly. So, okay, that's our homework. Uh, and was was
1: the what was the one that's uh, yes fun to watch with a trans lens? So I wrote down Ginger Snaps or Evil Dead because I mean I've I've talked about Ginger Snaps so many fucking times that I'm kind of running out of things to say. But like, it really is just like the perfect monstrous transformation movie for me. Like I I can't stop writing and talking about it. And then Evil Dead because <laughs> I wrote a personal essay probably one or two years ago about why i thought that ash williams was a trans man and that that accidentally got really really popular like if you google ash williams i think my graphic for the piece is like one of the top google image results so you see the little like ash williams character information like the third photo is him in front of a trans flag (laughs) (laughs) nice not my intention but that's my mark on history now And, um, for made to be monsters, I decided to like, actually like, okay, no, it's like, look at this series as a trans metaphor. And I was really, really impressed with how like genuinely it's there. Like it is a story of a person going into a cabin, like physically transforming and coming out a different person. Like it's, I, I encourage you to read my piece for more details, but like, yes,
0: I will. And I will, and I will link it, uh, in the, in the description and also, I recently rewatched *Evil Dead* and *Evil Dead 2*, and I and I I feel like I got flickers of that, but I definitely I, I wish I had this conversation with you before. Now I'm like, all right, I'm gonna have to go in again. Uh, but it's never a bad time to watch *Evil Dead*. Oh, that's my God. that's yeah, that's
1: always and especially I mean *Evil Dead 2* is just uh, bliss. Yes, and that's um, the best one for the fucking um, trans reading because like you have the literal cutting out of evil and replacement with the phallus with the chainsaw. Like it is, ah. it's so there. <laughs> and I'm like, how am I the only person who's written about this? Like it's there. Come on. <laughs> well, I know you met Ted Raimi. Did you yes. bring it up to him? <laughs> I, oh, I, I thought about it. Let me tell you, because <laughs> I, I knew I was going to meet them. I was going to meet Ted Raimi and Bruce Campbell both. And so I brought my, um, my lunatics DVD cover. It's, it's signed on my wall. And I thought about for Bruce, I'm like, what if I printed that out and had him sign it? And I really, really thought about it, but I'm like, I'm too scared <laughs> of being made fun of or shot down. So I'll just bring another DVD cover. And if I meet him again, maybe I'll do it then. But I'm like, oh, I thought about it. <laughs> I really did. But I just, I chickened out.
0: I understand that. And There's also like, I mean, I don't, I think uh, Bruce seems like a, a, a good individual or a, a well, I don't know what good means, but like a yeah, he's a uh, nice guy. Yeah, nice yeah, a nice guy. But like that would be the most
1: devastating thing to like have that moment go poorly. Yes. He was the only person at that con who was not wandering around freely. Like I ran into Kane Hodder in the men's room, but Bruce Campbell was like (laughs) under guard. (laughs) (laughs) Kane Hodder in the men's room seriously (laughs) I I could not (laughs) I said hi to Kane Hodder I'm like hi I love you and then I could not like stop running into him I'm like I'm trying so hard not to be creepy but like hi
0: you are just uh emulating his role you know just sort of always around the corner uh (laughs) he appreciates that if anyone I feel like we we might be sort of uh you know taking the landing down here. But I mean, you were sort of talking about some of the uh, cliches or stereotypes. And I was wondering if there was any other misconceptions that you like that are hurtful or that are really annoying. It could be a small thing or anything. Like, is there any of those that we can just fucking dispel right now and
1: we can think about it? No, I've got one. It's just um, (laughs) some, it's going to get accidentally very serious because this is like a thing that happened today. Oh, okay. Um, Because the Texas governor just signed an order saying that um, trans children are to be reported as being abused if they are trans, because they view being a trans child as being abused by the parent. And I'm not trying to like, oh, here's a segue into my thing. But like, I made the connection in my brain because I'm like, well, if you don't know any trans people and all you know is the movies or the books or the bigotry then I can understand why people get that misconception because all you see, at least specifically in trans horror for such a long time is the trans character without autonomy. Like they're always abused by a mother. They're, they don't have the choice and asterisk being trans, not a choice, but the choice to transition is, and the choice to be open about it is a choice. And so it's not until very recently that we have seen media depicting transness as a positive thing. And so it's, it's frustrating because I'm not trying to be like, Oh, the movies made us this way or the books made us this way. But like the narrative in the public consciousness has been trans people are just crazy or depressed or fucked up. They're not like actually this thing. This thing is a symptom of something bigger that they're probably being abused or that they're like, they think they're their mother or something like that. And that's, that was fresh in my brain today. (laughs) That's a really, uh, I mean, it's,
0: Fucking sucks, um, yeah. and I did actually just hear about that. I think like right before getting on here, so I'm 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 glad you brought it up. as the wrong way to put it, but uh, it's a, a way to put it. Um, <laughs> and and I think well, and it goes back to the title you have for your series, "Made to Be Monsters." And, and, and to me, that isn't that sort of what you're sort of poking holes at or looking at, right? It's it's the movies, pop culture, however, are making trans out to be monsters without actually like, Hey, uh, Logan, yeah. how are you doing? <laughs> like what? Like, I mean, and obviously this is way different than if it was sleepaway camp, but like, yeah, that, I think that's the same thing that happens obviously with queer, uh, you know, uh, populations with, uh, people of color, all, you know, everything. It's sort of, we have those like just images of what that means. And a lot of times it's been colored by shitty fucking media. Um, yeah or just discourse from assholes or, you know, what, but I think that comes from the media. Like it's sort of this, uh, Feedback work, group, yeah. yeah. And, and I know there's like, it actually reminds me of the conversation that always comes up of like, you know, blaming video games for violence or yeah. blaming different things and, 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 or, and just blaming the media for, all these different things, but I do think it's a facet of it, but I also don't think it's, it's again, it's just way more complicated than all of that. Yeah. Um, but like, to me, there's a reason I grew up with a, like a white savior complex. And that like, I like I'm turned on by like fixing people. Cause like, yeah. that's what every movie was that I grew up with. And every movie was me, especially like growing up as the kid that had to hide being a comic book nerd and then become the coolest person sort of, or seeing that like, Oh, Peter Parker, that's me. Right. Yeah. And, and like, it was so empowering, but also like such bullshit too, like that. it Cause it, I wasn't the one who needed that. um, and, Or like it was sort of treating me like I thought I was an underdog for my whole life. Right. And that's just not true. There is, we need to break the feedback loop for sure. And, and I don't know exactly how to do that. I mean, I guess it's representation, right? It's,
1: it's, it's to have everyone in the room. Yeah. I'm, I'm writing something about trans horror right now, a thing I've never said in my life, but um, I am writing something about <laughs> um, trans creatives in horror, like specifically people behind the camera. And I'm not just going to like read from it, but I try to make this point of like, having bodies in front of the camera is great and it's necessary, but we also need to think about who is behind the camera and what rhetoric these bodies are puppeting like are they saying things that they would agree with or are they being written by Sam Levinson who is barely concealing his weird fetishism like uh, like who who are telling these stories through the people we have on screen right and and
0: i mean i think for God, every every sort of marginalized community, people take the money, take the the opportunity to be seen at least, because that's better than not. And also like they're working and doing what they love, but they don't necessarily have the power to be like, oh, I don't know if I would say this in real yeah. life. Or yeah, or they're just sort of afraid to broach that because I think so often that could result in you losing your job or being cut out of the scene or whatever it is. At least like, that's historically been the case. I think. I would like to think we're better, but I think we all would like to think we're better. And I can, the the proof is that outside it, the, like that's the proof. And it's not so much uh, better because it's, it's just, again, it goes back to the money. Um, yeah. We need to make some trans horror films and make a lot of money doing so to break the, because that's, that's all money's the only way, Logan. Ah, that's a terrible way to end this. Um, <laughs> <laughs> this was very like I feel like this was a really uh, not uplifting, but I was like, oh, this is a yeah. this is nice, and now I'm like, oh, fuck. All right. It <laughs> always comes. Yeah. It always. Yeah. Comes I even back to money. Yeah. I even did the voice. It always. <laughs> comes back to money. Um. Suddenly, I'm suddenly I'm holding a cigarette. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, and 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 now I'm going to bring up my Patreon where people can give me money. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, it's all part of the plan. No, it was not. I think, honestly, like, I, I want to end with uh, friendship. Friendship is always a good place to end. And, uh, uh, you know, I think sometimes I'm a little bit over the top about it, but that's I think that's my brand, apparently. Yeah. Um, and I was just wondering, uh, Logan, like, how can I be the best friend for you moving forward? Or I like this question maybe better, depending on, we'll see how you answer it. If your life is a movie, and I know for us it probably we think of it like that sometimes, or a TV show. How would you cast me in the ensemble? Like, what role needs to be filled? And I think I think I'm good at that, and I kind of like that as like a way to frame it. Maybe it's easier than just like how do, how
1: am I how can I be your friend? Like, okay, so in my in my <laughs> head as I am imagining the scene, I don't. I just I imagine he was like the guy who brings me into the bigger thing like you're the entry point into something that like I never would have gotten into before whoa just just because I'm like I fuck if I wasn't writing that stuff on medium like we would never have started talking I would never have gotten into that little discord group we have going right now and like there's like 30 people in there that like I'm so tiptoe my way around and like I wouldn't have any of that if you hadn't sent that email really I thought that was based on, that's based on your
0: writing. I think you're giving me too much credit, but because like way more people read your writing than <laughs> have seen our Movies with Friends episode so far. So well, far. It's, it's going to happen. Yeah, exactly. Um, and, but I will, I will say, uh, so it sounds like I'm the threshold guardian in that, in that like very like Joseph Campbell way, uh, which means I probably need to die before like act, act two <laughs> or oh, three. Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> Or, I mean, it's not always the case. You know, Gandalf comes back. God, oh yeah, I just compared myself to Gandalf. I think I need to leave. Um, just get a white sweater on,
1: the next one. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, I'll I start with the gray, and then I'll come back as, as Andy the white. the white. Andy Green, <laughs> it goes Andy White. It's perfect. <laughs> um, is it? I don't know. Uh, well, I mean, I guess how I will take that is that I, I sort of, well, I, I mean, I, that feels like honoring and like, I, and, I, and also feels like a responsibility and also like, I want to continue to play and collaborate with you. And to, so like, I think I feel the same way about you in terms of the trans community and, and turn, and that is bigger than myself. And also just like, I want to be outside of the fucking box that I've been in my whole life. Right. And a lot of yeah. that is, was built around me. I didn't, I didn't build this box, uh, you know, and I think it was took too long to see the box. Right. Uh, so I think we sort of, maybe both are those mirror or foils, uh, or, or mirrored guardians or something. Um, and and like, I think, I mean, society failed, failed us both and and continues to fail all of us. Uh, (laughs) but I, but I changed society. Yeah. And, And, but I think, and I would love to continue to figure out more in terms of the movie, Uh, realm and, and 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 making stuff with you and like that does feel like the bigger thing right and sort of we're both peeling that open right now uh and sort of at different points but also kind of the same point in our journey uh and and this is the intersection which has been really cool and so yeah i'm already excited for our next adventure yes um and hopefully it'll be maybe in vegas or or you can come here yeah uh and we'll figure that out um that would be really cool but uh Lash, is that I, yes. I? I'm gonna own that. That's my <laughs> own that's, th- okay. That's my name for you, or at least what I will call you. Name for you sounds like possessive. <laughs> I, I just, I just think it's fun. It sounds yeah. cool. It also sounds horary. Lash, like there's oh, blood yeah. at the end of that. Uh, <laughs> thank you so much for coming onto the Naked Man Pod and and just and being honest and and being yourself
1: and and it really means a lot to me. Of course. Thank you for having me like mini tangent, but like the community outreach result, I guess, of what I've been doing has been like the most interesting part because like I struggle a lot in my brain with like, okay, I'm doing this, but like nobody's reading it. Nobody's responding to it. And with this trans horror stuff has been the first time where people like reach out to me. Like I probably have like 10 or 15 emails over the past few months of people just being like, Hey, I found your writing. Can you give me advice on this? Or I found your writing. Thank you so much for writing about this. Like I didn't know this was out there, and I now I'm finding stuff out about myself. And I'm like, okay, so like this stuff matters, and there's an audience, and I'm very happy to have tapped into this, and hope to continue doing that in bigger projects that will hopefully be coming this year. Ooh, he he,
0: uh, (laughs) rubbed his hands together. The ultimate
1: Doctor Evil evil genius.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Yes, exactly. I'm really excited to see, continue that. And also that's like, so cool. Uh, You know, I think uh, there's a second like episode in a row that I've recorded where it sort of ended with like basically artists being like, Oh, it's really nice. Well, no, but it also like, it's really nice when people reach out to you and sort of, and, and and it it does feel like you're just operating in a vacuum and I, and you don't know if what you're, if anyone is reading it or if it's doing anything and uh, and yeah, it's really nice to have proof uh, that it, the work you're doing matters and it does. Uh, and that you matter all. And, and I'm so excited to, I mean, that I still have some of your work to read. Like the evil dead piece is exciting. So yeah, I will continue that journey with you and, and yeah, everyone else. Thank you for joining us. As always, I'm so grateful to Lash for joining me and trusting me, and to you all for listening to our conversation. I'd been planning on taking a hiatus before starting the next season, but the world had other ideas. There's a lot of terrible things going on right now, which is why I needed this conversation more than ever and thought you might too. I've linked some resources in regard to the offensive Texas situation in the episode description if you'd like to know how to help. You can also find the soundtrack of Logan Ashley's life and all others on the Naked Man Spotify page. Please rate and subscribe to us on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Tell all your friends and movie buddies. And if you like what I'm doing, if you like what you're hearing, do me a favor. Please join my Patreon, join this community, and be part of the conversation. Be empowered in where this show goes from here. Visit patreon.com slash bgreen. The link is also in the description. And if you can't afford to donate or feel uncomfortable doing that because for all the reasons, but you want to be involved... Not to worry. Reach out and I'll invite you to our Discord, no questions asked. Please rate and subscribe to us on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Tell everyone. It would mean a lot to me. Follow us on Facebook and Instagram at NakedManPod, and don't hesitate to reach out to us at nakedmanpod at gmail.com. If you have any thoughts and feelings you'd like to share about Texas, Ukraine, this conversation, anything, call and leave a message at the Naked Man phone line at 747-231-7120. Next time on the Naked Man Podcast, I'll deliver another succulent monologue. In the meantime, as my dad always says, be sweet. This episode of the Naked Man podcast was conceived by Andy Green in collaboration with Logan Ashley Keisner. The Naked Man is a podcast hosted, created, and produced by me, Andy Green. All music was composed by Robert Panico and all graphics were created by Christopher Miles.